0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Landlord Association Podcast. I'm your host, George Gow. This is a podcast by the landlords and for the landlords in the greater Houston area. We'll discuss tips, strategies, techniques to help our listeners to be more educated and ultimately become more successful rental property owners and investors. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 15. This is a recording from our September monthly meeting last Thursday. We invited Lance Lingenhoven, who is a commercial real estate broker who has done more than $150 million of transactions in the Houston area. This is not a typical presentation about apartments and multifamilies. Lance focuses on properties that doesn't have overnight tenants. That includes office spaces, lands, RVs, and boat storages. As he explains it, when you have tenants that go home and leave at night, you have less complaints and less toilets to fix. I apologize in advance for the length of this podcast. Lance went through about four real-life case studies from his personal investments that follow these principles. If you never considered land or RV parts before, please take a listen and see if there's something that makes sense for you. Also, at the end of the presentation, he had a surprise for us. He gave away hats and t-shirts for a great cause that he's raising awareness for, and it's Kiva, which is a non-profit micro-lending platform that lends as little as $25 to farmers and small businesses in third world countries that have been historically ignored by large financial institutions. So if you get one thing out of this podcast, I hope you go check out Kiva.org and join Lance's team to help him achieve his goals. And that's dot aorg Check it out. Enjoy the presentation by Lance Langenhoven. Good evening, everybody. Let
1: me get this, the party started. Uh, who is this dude? Basically, myself, Lance Langenhoven. I'm a South African. Uh, But uh, I moved first, before I moved to Houston, I lived in England for about 10 years in 93 and I moved to Houston in 2001, so I've been here since then and up in the woodlands. And uh, I was a computer programmer for about 18 years and then, and actually that was what I was doing in England. I got transferred by a company to to Houston and I worked for them down here downtown for about five years and then I uh, eventually got tired of the office politics, got out. Got my realtor license and got into real estate. So I've been a realtor since two thousand six. And um, do you guys know what the CCIM designation is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Certified Commercial Investment Member. I got that designation in two thousand ten. Um, and uh, and then I got the ALC. Do you guys know what the ALC is? Mm-hmm. That's a Accredited Land Consultant. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, they deal more with farms, big farms, big pieces of land, but the reason I got the ALC is not because I sell a lot of farms, but because they told me if you've got a CCIM, it's easier to get this ALC because you know you're going to get some credits. So anyway, so i got both of those. But it helps you, you know, obviously, if you're brokering a lot of deals like I do, you know, it helps to have these designations. So I've probably done about, I don't know, I haven't counted exactly, but I'm guessing around 100 million, 150 million dollars worth of, worth of uh, deal, commercial deals. And then before that, I did a bunch of residential deals. So, um, so anyway, so that's just to say that I'm, you know, I know commercial brokerage. Okay. And then I've been personally doing uh, commercial real estate investment since January 2016. I dabbled a little bit before that, but not, you know, very successfully and, and not continuously, but I kind of found my gear in, uh, in my, in my sort of first decent deal. And since then it's been like, you know, off to the races. You know. So I'm going to kind of go over some of the my concepts and stuff. So basically tonight, what we cover is um, I'm going to tell you guys why you should invest in commercial real estate as opposed to, you know, single family homes or, you know, anything else, the stock market. Hope you don't invest in the stock market, but maybe you do. I'm going to tell you to put your money in CRE. I'm going to go over my basic investment concepts. What I believe, uh, you know, you should, you know, you should focus on. And uh, I'm going to tell you how I find my deals uh, and then I'm, I'm going to describe to you guys exactly my buying process so you know exactly what I do to, to what, once I find a good deal and then I'm going to go over some case studies. These are actual deals that I've personally done and uh, you know kind of just kind of show you what my decision making was as I went through those. And then we'll have a bit of Q&A and then uh, although you know as we're a small group if you feel that you want to stop me you know, during the presentation, you know, feel free, and then we'll still have a Q&A at the end. And then uh, at the end, I've got a surprise for you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, wow. so that, that'll keep you from leaving, right? Because you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what the surprise still is. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Just keep uh, everybody awake. All right. So why should you invest in CRE? Number one, comp- th- and this is compared to residential real estate, is because of the triple net fees, Not. Tri- Triple net, you know, basically the three items that, it, that you're counting are the property tax, building insurance, and common area maintenance. That's what they call triple nets. So it's net, net, net. The, the, the owner is getting the rent. The tenant is paying these fees. So that alone means that you can you should be able to earn on just your sort of average commercial real estate deal compared to the same residential deal. You should be able to get at least maybe a percent or two better on the return. But if you're talking about one or two percent better and you're only earning six or seven percent in the residential deal, that's actually like a 20 percent difference or 20 to 25 percent difference. So that's significant. You know, if you start co- compounding over a number of years, just these costs, I mean, that starts adding up very quickly. Um, the other reason is because there's there are many more areas of specialization in commercial real estate. I mean, you, in, if you do single-family, or you do multi-family. I mean, they, they, that's the only difference. You can do single-family, you can do multi-family apartments or single-family homes. That's about as far as the differentiating factors in investing in residential real estate goes. Commercial, man, it is a huge market. I mean, you can do retail, industrial, hotels, restaurants, marinas, uh, golf courses. I mean, there's just tons and tons and tons of areas you can't do all of them so you kind of have to figure out you know your area of specialization but because there's so many fields not everybody can know everything right so if you find a niche you find that there's a lot less competition and when there's a lot less competition there's a lot more opportunity for a guy that's quick on his feet to 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 get a deal because i know what happens in the residential stuff right there's a great deal single family home selling for less than the market value, and you competing with about 50 other guys that have found the same deal, uh, you know, and bigger pockets is all out there talking about residential investment and flipping and wholesaling and they're carrying on and on and on. I mean, everybody's doing it, so, so competition is just too much. You know? How are you gonna get a great deal if there's so many people chasing the same thing? It's, you know, the demand is pushing up the price, so you know, it's not easy. In my deals, very often I'm the only guy you know, and it's much nicer, <laughs> not less stress. So, and of course, there's a lot of profit potential, when you got less competition, and you know, they're not, there's not tons of people driving up the price, you can make some good money. So, so I'm gonna go over my investment concepts. Now, okay, traditionally, what people do is they start off, I'm gonna buy a single family home, or a duplex, okay. And there, their sort of career path in investing is to go from that mindset. Is they like, go okay? Well, how do I go bigger? Well, I just have to get more units, right? So I'm gonna go and get a five, a fourplex, or a fiveplex, or a, you know, now I want an apartment building. But they're staying with residential. They're just getting more units. How many doors have you got? I got ten doors. How many? I've got fifteen doors. You know, it's like everybody's talking about how many doors they've got. So. I think what they really want, if you really started talking to them, and I've done this many times with people that call me, they say, I- I'm trying to find an apartment, can you help me find an apartment? And I start asking them, well, why do you really, why do you want an apartment building? And they say, well, I want, I want lots of tenants, or okay, you don't have to have, you know, apartment building to have lots of tenants. I've got lots of tenants, I've got not one, not one of them's residential. I think what they really want, if you start talking to them, is they want multi-unit. They want many units paying them rent each month. So, don't confuse you know, your, your want for many units with multi-family. That's, you don't want multi-family, in my opinion. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Because multi-family, you've got the three T's, the tenants, the toilets, and the trash. And it doesn't end there. You know, they, they've always got some problem. In fact, on some of my properties, it's mostly commercial, and then there's a single-family home on one corner. In fact, my boat and RV storage facility is exactly like that. I'll tell you guys about that deal in a minute. I have like 97 tenants, boat and RV storage, and I've got one residential tenant. The one residential guy creates more problems by himself than all the other 97 put together. Okay, because people get hot, they get cold, they get wet, they get angry, they get emotional. I don't know, something happened, my yard wasn't cut, something. There's always a complaint, right, and you have to deal with it. My if if people just go home at night, there's a lot less complaints because it's not their home. I can understand if someone is in their home and they're not happy, and I want them to be happy in their home, but I don't want to have to deal with that kind of stuff. So I rather stay away from that and just don't buy that kind of stuff if I can help it. Sometimes, unfortunately, I have to you know have a residential tenant somewhere. But in my what I want, I don't want properties where people stay on the property after dark. They need to go home. Okay, so. And I like many units as opposed to a few units uh, because some people think that, you know, investing in commercial real estate, okay, I'm going to get a strip center, okay. Now, the average strip center is like 9,000 10,000 square feet. Well, with that space, if you break it up into units, 1,500 square foot or 2,000 square foot per, per space, you've got four, five, five, four, five to seven tenants. But if one of them wants to leave, um, I mean, you're going to say, oh my goodness, please don't leave, let me uh, negotiate with you because you know, you're going to suddenly be 15 to 20% vacant. So um, you don't want the tenant to have leverage over you like that. You know, you want to have be in the all-powerful position where you're, they're not going to hassle you. So uh, in the, my boat Norway storage facility, I have like uh, basically 100 tenants now. So if one of them wants to leave, he's only 1%, I don't care. And if he's trying to tell me how to run my business, just leave if you don't like it, you know, it doesn't matter. You know. So that's the kind of position you want. So that's what, that's what I try to get is more, many more units. I mean, probably at least 30 units, you know, not less than that. Um, and the other concept I want to tell you about is land, buying just commercial land with nothing on it. So people often say, well, I don't want, well, I don't want land it's got no income there's no building on it well how the hell am i going to deal with that but land has the potential for the fastest appreciation of any product out there you know you bar none there's nothing else that can beat land for appreciation so if you didn't if you never play with commercial land you're never going to have that possibility of making big bucks because if you have an income property the value of that property is capped like a, like a, you know, what's those, those generating uh, things on a car that caps the, the speed, it's capped because that income can't double overnight, you know, so it, the property value is not going to double overnight, you can't raise the rent on a tenant 50%, unless it's been crazy low. But I mean, it's just not possible to easily increase the rents like that on on a, on a prop, an income property. But because land has no income, there's no cap. So, um, so okay. So just to kind of illustrate, uh, well, pretty much the reason why uh, you know the value can double overnight is because the value is in the eye of the beholder, right? The buyer. So you can have a piece of land that is, let's say, a piece of land on on a corner somewhere, and one guy can say, okay, well, I want to lease that land from you because I want to start selling uh, uh, cars. I want to park some cars on there. I'm going to give you $250,000 for that, that piece of land. Well, okay, let me think about it. The next guy's going to come along, hey, that's a nice corner. I'm going uh, to put a gas station on there. So he's thinking, well, geez, I can put a gas station, he's doing his numbers, I'm going to offer you, I don't know, $350,000, because he knows he's got a good potential to make money on that based on that price. Okay, well, I don't know, let me think about it. Another guy's going to come along and say, you know what, I'm going to put a strip center on there with a second floor with some offices, so his pro- profitability on that project is more. So he's going to say, "Well, I'll offer you seven fifty for that piece of land because it's a great corner, good traffic count, good visibility." But nothing's changed. I mean, it's the same piece of land, but you got three, four different valuations within a week of, of putting it on the market. So that's why land is the thing that pre- can appreciate the fastest. So uh, I bought a, I bought a property up in Montgomery last year it was uh, the guy listed it for I think he would listed it for a hundred and ten I offered him a hundred he said fine let's sign the contract so we we got it under contract for a hundred so I call I didn't have enough money to put the deposit on even though it was a small deal because I had so many deals going so I thought I was kind of run out of cash so I called my friend I said to him listen this property is worth way more than what he's asking do you want to do 50-50 with me and I told him what I'm paying. I said, I'm paying 100 but I'm going to charge you 125 You know, for me and him to partner up in an LLC. And he said, fine, let's do it. So, I got the property and we double closed. I closed on the 100, me personally, and then I sold it immediately the same day to the LLC for 125 and I was 50% partner with him in that LLC for 125. Six months later, I sold it for 275. Now, we did nothing to the property. We didn't even cut the lawn. We didn't, nothing, zero. In fact, my partner didn't even went and looked at it. He just trusted me that I knew what I was doing. But, you know, that's the thing. The guy that wanted to buy it, knew that the kind of project he wanted, that that for him was a good price. So, you know, he, he spent the money, even though they could probably look up that I just paid, a, you know, 100 or 125 for it. So, you know, And because there is no income, it could double in value just like that because there's no income. (laughs) So I'll tell you another story about a UBS financial advisor that I met in the Woodlands. Uh, One of my clients wanted to buy a big piece of land in the Woodlands. And we found we were looking through all the systems. Land vision is a system that I have. So there's a 50 acre piece of land. So it wasn't on the market and but we saw who the owner was. So I contact the owner. And uh, he happens to work at UBS, so he's a, has a, he's a very, one of their top financial advisors in the Woodlands. And uh, so I call the guy and let's just say, his name's not th- this name, but let's just call him Jack, right? I don't want to give you his real name. So I say, hey Jack, um, we're interested in your 50 acres, you know, so it's got nothing on it. A lot of floodplain as well. So uh, he says, well, he wants 3 million for the 50 acres. So it's Pretty much all of it's in the floodplain, okay? So I said, Tony, I mean, Jack, this is a, that's a lot of money, you know, for for the 50 acres. So he said, yeah, and I don't really want to sell it. Why don't you look at my other piece of land on Harden Store Road? I got 150 acres there. 150 acres, I said, that's a lot of land, uh, Jack. So um, he said, yeah, but go and have a look. So I said, no, that's not going to work for my client. It's a little out of the way. He wants to be, close to the woodlands so he said okay well what about I've got this other piece of land north of 1488 like a 30 acre piece that I co-own with another guy I said 30 acres in my head I'm counting I'm talking like has got the 50 acres in the woodlands was worth 3 million he's got 150 acres down the road which is I don't know worth about 5 6 7 million and then he's got another 30 acre track that he co-owns with another guy all just land no buildings on it so I said Jack that's all you know you got a a lot of your money tied up in land I said what what without telling me just give me the percentage how much of your net worth is tied up in land he said 80% so this guy okay is with UBS financial advisor telling people to buy stocks all day long and invest in mutual (laughs) funds and he buys land with his money I'm like, okay, I know your game, you know, you guys are just bloody sharks, you know. So, so you can see this guy knows what he's doing, he's buying land because, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah.
0: So, um, sounds like a, you know, pretty good way to kind of get appreciation. What's the downside of, uh, land? I mean,
1: no, no income, no income. Is it hard to finance? You uh, well, without income, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's hard right. to find. But I'm going to show you okay. how to do this. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. <laughs> I'm going I'm to show you exactly how I do it because I don't have the money to, bu- to buy like right. like some people do, but I'll show you my strategy. Okay. okay. So, oh, one more question. Yeah.
2: How do you find buyer to buy your land? How do you what? How do you find buyer to buy, to buy your land? land?
1: Well, look, there are people out there with money, okay? So you just have to wait. Now, the, the thing is with land, though, you have to be able to hang on okay? because land is the slowest seller yes it sells more slowly than anything else because because there's no income there's no building there's no income it sells slowly but it can appreciate fast uh, real fast I have another another guy um, in that I helped him buy this land it was a foreclosure from a bank he bought it at six dollars a square foot about five years ago right now we have it listed at, and every year we, we go up. We started off at $8, then $10, then $12. We're now at $18 a square foot. So it's it's tripled in five years. There's not many income properties that triple in five years in value. This just, just doesn't happen, you know, because you can't triple the rents in five years. You know, you can only push the rents 2% a year or maybe 3% if you're a Regency. Regency, I think, is really a tough landlord because they push their, Rents up three percent a year.
3: Um, how does so if it's single family, uh, we have a tax assessor that come uh, 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 push, uh, look look at the property and then, uh, how much we pay tax. Uh, how do they do that with land? Do yeah. they do they assess the land and then say yeah. How do they assess that?
1: Well, they go and look at the sales comps in the area and they see what you paid for it and you know, they go on. But in a way, it's easier to get the tax guys to fight your valuation down because there's no income. So, um, you know, you, you just got to, but you, uh, everybody has that problem. You know, like <coughs> the county always wants to push it up and you always want to get it down and so that's just another. You just got to get a, I just hire a company to fight all my properties. I never try and do it myself because it's just too much work, too many properties, just just hire them. And the guys I use, they work on a, like a, if they don't get it down, I don't pay them. So if they get it down, if they send me an invoice, I'm happy because now I know they got my, they got the deal down. So um, so how do I find great deals? Okay. Do um, you know loop, what LoopNet is? Okay. Do you know what Crexy is? Have you guys heard of Crexie? Well Crexie is a competitor to Loopnet, uh, and you can find lots of commercial properties on Crexy. Um, so but that is not where I go and find my deals. Okay. I do find my deals on HAR. Okay. So why do I look for commercial deals on H A R? Okay. I don't know what they're doing, yes, you <laughs> got it. You got it. For me, what I'm looking for is there's thousands of realtors out there, right? some of them are brand new and a lot of them don't really know what they're doing as far as the valuation for commercial land now they know residential real estate very well you know and uh, you know i know we've got some residential realtors in the room so but they don't always know the true value of unrestricted land and unrestricted land means it can be used for commercial purposes okay so if you get that lucky combination which is unrestricted land in a fairly decent location with a realtor that doesn't really know and the seller doesn't really know you've hit the jackpot. Okay, Mm -hmm. because most likely they're going to undervalue it, because they just don't realize how much commercial land is worth, and how fast it can jump in value. So what I do is I don't even bother with LoopNet. I don't bother with Crexie. I just have a filter set up I actually use another broker's uh, little mechanism, you know, where you can uh, register and set up your filters and it's I think it's called Trillionaire Realty, but I mean, any of those residential sites which can filter and search and send you deals. So literally every single morning, I get my little email of the, the, the new listings for that day that match my filter, I quickly scan it, I go and look on the map, and look where every property is. See if it's worth uh, investigating further, and if it is, you know, bam, got a deal. It, it, you know, but it's something you have to do every single day, you know, because the email's going to come at you every day. That's <laughs> the nice thing about these filters is they just work automatically, right? So as long as you look daily, you're going to find a deal at some point. Now, it might take you five to six months waiting. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not, hey, look, it's not Walmart, right? You're not going like, to uh, get one tomorrow <laughs> as soon as you set the filter. So let's say you look at a thousand
3: deals, how many of those have potential that you actually investigate a little bit
1: deeper? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I was just, I, it takes me sometimes five, six months before I find one. of okay. that, Right. So I don't know how many come across my desk, but it's every day there's four, five, six new listings that match. Right. Got it. So if you do that for five months, I don't know how many, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. A thousand. A thousand. Pro- out of
3: that, out of five months, we will get one,
1: deal. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not often. Okay. But when I get one, it's a good one, okay. you know. So, um, so my buying process, okay. Now, this is very important because you're, this is commercial real estate. So, you, you don't want to screw up. So, the first weekend that you have free, because I know you guys work, right? Go out and walk the property, okay? Come back, right, get all the details, and then get your spreadsheet analysis tools and start analyzing the deal, okay? And you got to speak to your loan officer to see if they'll fund that deal because, you know, unless you've got a lot of money, you know, you're going to need a loan officer and I, I love working with the banks, by the way. It's a lot cheaper than getting an investor in the deal because investors want their fair share of the profits. I want my unfair share, you know, and I'm just happy to pay it back. And of course, your better half, your husband or wife, you know, you got to talk to them and clear this because, you know, some of them don't want to play with commercial. It's too risky, right? It's dangerous. And then obviously, because you're going to you're going to try and get land, maybe with the deal, talk to an architect and get a site plan. Okay. And then get some bids from contractors to see, you know, what you can do on the property. And then you put in your offer. Okay. So that all of that should take you about no no more than two weeks, because you've got you got to do this, right? Okay, guys, listen, if you did that, you never get a deal. I don't do this at <laughs> all. Okay, you basically, if you see the deal, because look, if I look five months, right, to get a great deal, you know, you do not want to lose that deal. Okay, so what you do, the first thing you do is a send in an offer. I don't even care if you don't have the money, send in the offer. Don't even think because it's a great deal, right? If it is a, a, a normal market deal, like market price, well, then you can take your time because, you know, it's probably been sitting there for you know, six months, but a great deal doesn't sit around because it's great, right? I mean, if it's under market or if it's got some special features or somebody screwed up on the valuation because they didn't know, then it's under market, because you're going to make a lot of money just the day you buy. In fact, I mean, that's the best time to make the money is the day you buy. So you don't have to wait for the appreciation, you literally want it to be below market. So if it is below market, don't waste any time get the thing under contract. How do you figure what market it is? Well, you got to know your market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got to know if you if you're looking at deals all day long, yeah. you get to know, like i don't know are you buying single family now uh, not, not much no. well whatever you're buying if you're buying whatever you buy a lot you get to know what's good right so after a while you're seeing enough of them to to say okay you know what i've seen 50 of these and this one is suddenly 80 dollars on the you know 80 cents on the dollar and that you know these ones are all at that price so i know something's not so somebody made a mistake here, you know. It looks too good to be true. It, it probably is, you
2: know. So you constantly have to update your proof of fund and your pre approval letter just so that you, you can send it in immediately?
1: No, no, no. I, no, I don't don't worry about anything. Okay, so send <laughs> like, uh, just like, send it like just send it. the, the offer. offer as fast as you can. Okay. okay.
2: But you don't include any like proof of fund, pre no. approval letter. No, no, and, and no. And no. They still just just
1: tell them you got the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> just figure it out later. Fig- yeah. You're going to have time.
2: Yeah. But okay. as a listing agent, I look at it and it's like, okay, this is
1: cool. You know. Well, look. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, pe- people, this game of life, okay, people want a piece of paper, right? So if they ask for the piece of paper, that uh-huh. you just have to figure out how to get them okay. that piece of paper. Okay? okay. And if they get the piece of paper, well, they'll be happy. Okay. okay. So. But don't worry about that. Look, there's many ways of closing the deal. Yeah, I'll just show you. it in. Yeah, I'll, okay. some of my case studies go over that exactly. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, so it's backwards. This, forget this, okay. You do, you do the offer first, then you can do all of that. <laughs> so it's basically just the reverse, okay. So, um, case study number one, Capitol Hill Storage. This, this is a property I purchased in uh, uh, January 2016. So it's just three and a half years ago. So the way I found this deal, I was actually, I was looking for land to buy and I'd seen a nice three acre little tract up in Montgomery County. And it was a Sunday and I thought it's Sunday morning. So I, I drove out and um, going, going to look for this piece of land. And I was driving by this property and I saw a little residential sign in the, in the yard and it's, you know, like for sale and it had a, a residential house in the, f- in the front yard and at, at the back, I could see behind the, the house, there were some boats and RVs. So I thought, hey, this looks like a little, tiny little boat and RV storage f- facility. So I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to drive back on my way back. So I went and looked at the three acres, didn't like it. You know, terrible piece of land in the middle of nowhere. So I drive back and I'm, I park in front of the property and I call the, the agent. And he he answers the phone, so I said, "Hey, um, I want to see this property. Could you show it to me? Uh, you know, maybe today." So, uh, so he said, "Well, he's he's already got uh, one showing at like four. I think it was four thirty that afternoon, and it's a Sunday and all that stuff." So I said, "I said, okay, look, I tell you what. When you finished your showing at four I won't come into the pro I'll wait outside the property I'll watch when those people leave I'll drive in and you literally I tell them, all I need is 10 minutes and you can just stay another 10 minutes and I'll look around and then you can go and so I you know I was conscious of the guy being on a Sunday so I was going to save him time right so he said okay that's fine let's do that so I go home so I wait for 430 430 I'm parked outside over the over the hill I can just see the other prospects you know, that he's talking to them. And so they drove out and as soon as they were out of sight, I drove in and uh, I said, okay, well, what's going on here? What do they want? So the asking price is $695,000. So I looked around. I could see it was a real mom and pop operation, okay? Not, not a heck of a lot of good stuff going on. Very, you know, very unorganized, you know? So uh, I said, okay, look, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. So I drove straight home, and because I'm a realtor, I have my contracts. I, I typed up the contract as fast as I could, emailed it to him literally by within an hour of getting back to my house. I emailed them the contract. Now they were asking six hundred ninety-five thousand. I offered them six hundred twenty-five. I thought I thought I want to end up at six fifty, so because I didn't want to negotiate for too long because if I negotiate for too long, somebody else could come in. And we I knew somebody looked at it just before me. So I was worried that those guys were gonna try and buy it. So I didn't want to offer too low and then we get stuck and then suddenly I get competing offers. So I, I, I sent him the 625,000 that evening. The next morning, they counter me at 6.50, like nine o'clock in the morning. And I said, accept it, done. I'll <laughs> send you over the contract right now. So I sent the contract at 6.50. Two o'clock that afternoon, the guys that looked at it at 4.30 say they want to buy it. The guy said, well, sorry, we already oh. have it under contract. So if I'd waited, if I'd waited to see it the first weekend I was free or, you know, the next day or whatever, I would have lost the deal, you know. So now I have got this $650,000 uh, deal. Which here's the deals. It's 4.7 acres of land. Bomb and pop operation. Got some existing income. Got a house. Six ninety-five is what they're asking. Yeah. So You s- saw a sign in the yard. Right? You
3: didn't see it on your no filters. So no, you just randomly drove yeah. by it. Yeah, I okay. just
1: I just <laughs> because I think my filters weren't for six hundred and fifty thousand. My fault because I didn't have that much money. Oh, okay. Got my right. filters were like for three hundred. Mm-hmm. So it was outside my filters. So that was a bit of a problem because I, I had to bring I had to bring $130,000 to the table to close the deal, and I didn't I didn't have the money I didn't have the cash to put down my down payment. Yeah. So, okay. So now, so my I had a Roth IRA, which was 70000 in my Roth, and my wife had a Roth IRA of 70000 So I thought, okay, well, I'll we'll cash in the two Roths and I'll have my 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 money. So. I cashed in mine and my wife said, no, no, you're not touching mine, <laughs> I don't, I'm not playing this co- risky commercial game, you know, I want to make sure my money's safe. So I said, okay, well, don't worry, I'll, I'll figure it out. So uh, so I had 70 and I needed 132,000. So uh, I knew the commission, I was going to get some commission from the deal, I think I got about 12,000, they, they negotiated me down on the deal because they, they were being tough on me. So I had like another 12. So at 70, I had like 82. And luckily, I had a, a, a line of credit of about 50. But I was already using some of it. I didn't even have enough money in there to cover the difference. So I had like another 30 or something in the line of credit. So I, I pushed that money into my bank account and said, said that I showed the loan officer, look, I've got all this money. And then I had luckily I had some deals closing other deals so I showed the bank my contracts. I said, "Look, I've got these contracts. They they should close before we close this deal. Count count that money." And they counted it. <laughs> so, and then I just you know borrowed money from a credit card. That first deal was pretty tricky. I mean, I was scooping money from any everywhere to try and get it done. So, uh, so that's how I got the money together and we closed and we, I got the deal. This uh, is the
0: 97 spot, this is the, how many, how many, how many part, how
1: many? Uh, uh, it has, I'll show you the numbers okay. in a minute. Okay. I think it had 57 okay. spaces in, yeah. the, in these buildings. So this, this was the property. So, you know, here's where I was waiting yep. <laughs> for, for the guys to leave. And then I drove down and drove in and met the guy. Um, so I'm going to show you the next image to show you what I changed. But basically, there's a fence running along here real tight behind this building. So you can just see a thin black line and this driveway goes like this, right? So I moved this driveway, I, I put it up here and I moved the fence and put it like here. So I wanted, I wanted more land for the storage facility and I put a fence around the house. So basically, uh, and I put in a, a keypad control gate, I put some Asphalt in here. I moved. moved, You know, here's. I straightened the road out. So now we just drive this way. And here's the fence, the picket fence around the. um, Actually, I've got a pointer. So the picket. Here's the uh, the fence I moved. So I I gained all this space. So 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 I put. eight eight more units. I put eight more outside storage. Okay. Yeah. So outside storage. Eight here. Four here. Five here. That's all of these were thanks because the fence used to go over here. So I I gained all of this and then that was not being used. I I put eight spaces there, put five there, put eight here. Because the way the the previous guy had it is he didn't have any demarcated parking spaces. So people were parking all over the place and there was a lot of wasted space. So what I did is I basically put cones, cone, cone and you have to park in between the cones. So then that way I could put and then I put numbers. There were no numbers. (laughs) He had no numbers on anything, so I put numbers on each parking space and, uh, you know, basically made it a little bit more professional. We also put in the, 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 they used to have a gate before over here, but it was open. You could just drive in, drive out whenever you wanted. And because people could drive in, drive out, and they didn't have any systems, people were paying with cash, were paying with cheque, they were paying whichever way they wanted. And they paid whenever they wanted, so they didn't, like, pay on time because there was no penalty for not paying on time. As soon as we put in the keypad access control gate, that system, if you don't pay by the fifth of a month, it locks the gate and you can't get in. So when they call us, hey, I can't get in. Yeah, because you didn't pay, (laughs) you know? Oh, okay, well, let me give you my money. And then, then so now we we coached them to be better, right? But we still had a problem because people were still paying in multiple different ways. So we said, Okay, listen, you know, no more cash, because people would throw cash through the door. And then there's no kind of audit trail. So we, you know, then we'd say, Well, you didn't pay. Well, I did, I threw my cash through the door. No, 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 you, you didn't. <laughs> and there's not there's no way of proving it. Right? So, so we said, Okay, listen, no more cash, and no more personal checks, you got to pay with a credit card. So, um, anyway, after we did the, the initial modifications, we increased the rent by 50%, can you believe it? <laughs> but because it was so low, people couldn't move anywhere because everybody else was even, even higher, uh, even after we raised the rents. So that is one instance where you can raise the rents by 50% if they're so incredibly low, then you can raise them. Okay, so we did that. Is, is
3: this the parking lot or is it a storage facility or is it both? <laughs>
1: Well, this is a uh,
3: covered RV storage. Okay, so it is basically yeah. covered parking and uncovered. parking. Yeah. Obviously.
1: Yes, that's covered and open. Okay. This is covered and closed. That's covered and closed. Covered and closed. We and say covered and closed. and closed. They have the door. Yeah, the door, yeah. Oh, okay. Covered lockable. It's covered lockable and Got covered it. covered open. This one's covered and open. And then you, the rest of it's just outdoor parking. Yeah, why do people need this? Why don't they just park in
3: the street?
1: Well, so I mean guess their the stuff building. can get stolen and broken oh, and yeah. yeah, at least we, we've got a locked so gate. So because they considered yeah. secure parking? Secure parking, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't think people would trust that their stuff wouldn't walk off if they parked it in the street. I, mean, no, yeah. I don't know. I mean well, <laughs> you, leave, you leave a nice boat out on the street, it's going to disappear. Oh, okay. Boats, Yeah. Right. yeah. Or RVs. RVs, Yeah, but boats yeah. for sure. I mean, you just hook it up on the... It's on a trailer. Yeah. Just hook up your truck and take it, you know. Um, so where is this location at? This is in uh, Montgomery. In right? Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, so it's pretty far up north. Yeah. 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 So,
3: yeah. so basically they store it for like the winter or something? No, or all year long. Oh, because yeah. it's cheaper than putting it in the water. Yeah,
2: yeah
1: I mean if boats, you have a mooring yeah. for boats, uh, it's going to probably cost you more uh. for a mooring. Plus there probably aren't enough yeah. for all the boats that are around. And the houses
0: are probably doesn't have a big enough
2: parking spot, I guess. Well, yeah, if it. you're
1: in a master plan community like okay. the Woodlands, you're not allowed oh, okay. to park okay. a boat or an RV. And that's in fact, master plan communities is fantastic for us, because they drive everybody to store off the property. You know. okay. So, um, so what else did we do? Okay, so we also discovered with this business, don't rock the boat more than once a year, okay, because you're gonna upset the, all the tenants. So we like in year one, uh, we pushed up the prices. And you know, and we, we, we made the upgrades and we pushed up the prices in year two, credit cards only, okay, in year three, uh, we're going to run your credit card, you're not going to, you know, tell us when you, you're going to pay. So now, we run the credit cards on the first of the month, and everybody's paid immediately. Because otherwise, they go online, they log in and they pay. And then by the 10th of the month, five people still haven't paid. So now you got to call them. It became such a hassle that we just said, listen, we're going to do it because you guys can't stay on top of the business, you know, and it's now become so nice. Uh, and we don't have anybody on site. Well, actually, in the we beginning, you see this little building. Uh-huh. That was a garage that was for this uh, building. Yeah. So we when we put up the fence, we started using this garage as a little office with a garage next to it for where we could meet prospective tenants and sign the lease agreement. So my, uh, so what I had to do is I had to, because it was part of the house originally, there was no restroom inside there. So I, my assistant, who's a, a lady, um, I, would, I would feel bad that she would go there, there's no toilet. So I, I put a toilet in, in here and I put a new septic system in for the house, and it it had an extra tank for this little building so we could put a restroom in there, really nice little restroom. And, um, but then she she got a baby. So now she couldn't just drive up to this business to kind of meet people because she had the baby. So she actually figured out how to do this without going to the property because she didn't want to like not do her job right. So what she does now is she, if somebody calls, uh, she takes a call and says, uh, they say, okay, look, I want to rent one of your spaces. She says, okay, I'm going to give you a guest code for the gate. And then you can go and have a look and look at space 20 that's available. So they go in and then they call her back and they say, okay, look, I want to rent that space. I like it. She says, okay, just uh, text me your driver's license on your phone. They text the driver's license. And then she sends them a docu sign email with the contract, which goes to their phone and they look at it and they click, 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 click fill out a few things and she's got the contract so now she hasn't even left her home (laughs) so so suddenly we didn't really need this as a as a little office building for the business but strangely enough her husband needed an office and she said to him hey that little office is pretty cool because now that it's got a restroom there's like a nice desk and it's you know it's conveniently located for your stuff. So he's actually renting it from us for 350 bucks a month, <laughs> <laughs> that little. So we got an extra door, you know, for people like counting doors. What happened to the house? The house we just leased out. Oh, okay, We got a fa- five-year lease, uh, 2% annual escalation. So the guy wants to buy it. So anyway, he's still leasing it.
3: Okay. Is the it's land planted uh, between the... Between the house and the uh, parking it, lot, it's a it, it one piece. It's
1: actually two lots. It's two lot. It is two lots, yeah. But we were just, com- you know, using it as one. Um, yeah. If he does want to buy it, I probably will uh, change something here. I want to move this fence more, so that I've got a nice rectangular back because it's a little bit angled, and then I'm, I'd have to resurvey it. But I don't know if I really want to sell to him. I mean, I might just to get rid of a residential tenant. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. All that land in front is it,
0: is it part of the lot, that driveway area. That's all. This is this is his. Oh, right. This yes. is for the house. Right. So gotcha. all, all of this. Yeah. So he's oh, taking
1: right. up quite a lot of land. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Other, I mean, I could knock the house down and make more money with just more storage. But I don't know if I wanna go. How much capital improvement do you put in the property? Uh, I probably put. Um, let's see. In the in the beginning. I mean the uh, the asphalt was about 5000 the gate 3000 that's 8000 and then I this stuff was very cheap I mean I just had to put Market. some crushed concrete yeah. okay uh, so that was 3000 for the crushed concrete and then for the little you know the little uh, separate uh, yeah. call it bollards little bollards and that that wasn't you know 500 dollars or something it wasn't a lot of money yeah. you know pretty and, good. yeah so this is what I did. I put security cameras. I got the management system. Our management system is really nice. It's called SiteLink, and uh, it's they're really great to work with. Uh, so, anyway, so that's what I did on that one. So, basically, what I did is um, I took. I had fifty-seven spaces, and now I've got a hundred and three. Re- the revenue back then was that that for the boat and storage and that for the house, six thousand. Today, we get that for. the boat norway storage, and that for the house. So we, we've gone from six to 10 um, is the total revenue. The NOI is uh, 57,000 then and today 92,000. Uh, and then the values obviously moved up 650 then, almost close to 1.2 today. And the cap rate is you know, I'm using a 8% as a, you know, as a reasonable market value. Mm-hmm. So it's increased the value's increased by about five hundred thousand uh, in the three and a half years that I've had it, mm-hmm. so that's that deal. What's your plan for the property? Just kind of, I guess, keep Steady? it keep making it nicer. So okay. I, there's some things that I still want to do. So, okay. um, I mean, it's such a nice, easy business. It's the li- nicest, easiest run business that I've had. So. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more
3: about the, the, the loan? Do you have a relationship with the bank uh, to get this loan? I imagine if I come to my bank, I can probably call a few banker, but none
1: of them will give me loan oh, for ready? this kind of deal. Oh yeah, no, this bank, um, I think it was, uh, actually I just refinanced it. My, my first deal was with Prosperity Bank as a small, kind mm-hmm. of a regional bank. Mm-hmm. And the other bank that I just refinanced it with was Allegiance Bank, mm-hmm. and both of them are very happy to do the deal. And then you don't have
3: relationship with them, um, like prior relationship
1: with them? No, I didn't overall. have any prior relationship, yeah. I just showed them the numbers. So that's when my Excel spreadsheets, I showed them the cash flow and I showed them the projection of improving cash flow because I was going to make some upgrades increase. I showed them how low the rents were. And when they saw how low the rents were and what the, f- what the future projection on the rents could you know was going to you know I was going to move it up I mean they were fine you know so it wasn't a problem um so the second deal how are we doing for time good good yeah yeah Yeah, don't worry all right okay so this deal this is kind of funny because remember when I told you I want you know I wanted my wife's uh seventy thousand dollars for the uh from her Roth IRA would have made life a lot easier for me (laughs) she said no so after six months of seeing my deal actually turn into a great success, she says to me, well, okay, maybe I'll let you look for a property and maybe you can use my Roth IRA money. So I said, okay, well, that's very interesting. Okay, let me, let me see what I can find. So this is honest t- to goodness, this is what happened. It was a Thursday night when she told me that. So I go on, I thought, okay, let me have a look on HAR what's going on. So I look on HAR. And bam, I find a deal because I, I said to her, I said, Listen, this is going to take five to six months. You don't just get these deals. But luckily, that night I saw one, which was a good deal. So I, I found it on HAR, a little deal, I'll show it to you in a minute, what it had it had existing building on up, 4.8 acres of land and Oh, by the way, George, mm. here's how I buy the land. I buy the land with a building on it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So the building pays for all of the land, but it doesn't use all of the land. It y- only uses that corner. And the rest of it I can play with, or it's got the upside. Yeah, It's got the potential.
3: Yeah. So do you look for land where the building is not like smack in the middle? Yeah, you want it on the yeah
1: exactly. You want wow. to try and have the, but you know, even if it's in the middle, just figure out a plan. But okay. uh, you know, you want, but most people build you know, conservatively because they know in the future, they want to do other things. So most people put it somewhere on the side. Occasionally, you get some guy that just <laughs> likes to put it in the middle. <laughs> and that's not very useful, you know. So but yeah, if the way to if you don't ha- can't buy with cash, buy with the building because the buildings cash flow is going to pay the loan so that you can hold the, the additional land. And then so yeah, you want existing income. And this piece had excellent future prospects. Now I'm going to tell you right now what those prospects are. So they were asking $349,000 for this property. So uh, so basically 349, well actually when we negotiated the deal I think I negotiated down to 315,000. So 315 and 20 percent so we needed about $64,000, $70,000. She had 70 in her raft. Perfect. We've got the cash deals done. I didn't have to worry about trying to find money. So here's here's the location of the property. Now I don't know if you guys often go up there, but this is the 45. Okay, here's where ExxonMobil located their big campus. And here's the Grand Parkway. And I don't know if you know Gosling, but Gosling is a pretty major road running through the woodlands. So that's where the property was 4.8 acres. So this blue line is a road called which is not f- fully built yet It right now it comes up to here from here and from there it comes up to here so this middle piece doesn't exist yet but it's coming okay so so this distance from there to there is about a, about a thousand feet so it's like negligible okay so in future when this road is fully built you could drive from here to there and down to Exxon Mobil in like five minutes, okay. And or you can go straight to 45, and, uh, which is also nice. Or you could go this way, five minutes, and you'll be up in the woodlands. Or you can just go down and you can connect up with the Grand Parkway and other. So today the location is not great, okay, because it's a little bit in the in the in the hoods. I mean, you have to kind of. In fact, you have to come down Spring Springsteubner, you have to go up this little road and you have to cross over the uh, railway line. Actually, where's the railway? Yeah, the railway line's here. And then go underneath Grand Parkway and then turn left and then turn right. And it's like not easy to get there. But the future potential of this property is incredible. So in the meantime, we're just renting out the building commercially to two commercial companies. And they're basically holding the land for us, Uh, which, which, by the way, This was a case of a realtor not knowing what she's doing because we bought it on HAR. So, listen to this. The building had a tenant, a commercial tenant, paying $1,800 a month. And the realtor, in her actual listing description, says, we're selling it for land value only. We're not counting the value of the building. Because, and I'll, I'll show you actually why, the building had trees growing in the back. Uh, because this was a void underneath that the the previous or the owner used to have a a uh, a RV a motorhome parked underneath there and he used the roof of this to cover his I don't know just just a weird setup and then his motorhome got plants growing through the floor. So he got rid of the motorhome but then he still had the plants you know causing major havoc in the back of the building. And what happened was because the building was open there, rats and squirrels and all sorts of animals jumped in and caused havoc up in the ceiling with the HVAC. So the HVAC wasn't working properly. I couldn't believe that this lady was still willing to rent the building. I mean, but she was paying $1,800 a month and she was happy to stay there. So when we bought it, that's why the the residential realtor said this got no value. But She wasn't thinking straight because as soon as you have rental income, you do have value. I mean, and all you need to do is fix it up. So, which I think we spent $45,000. We just framed up this, put a concrete floor all the way in the back, and basically called it a a warehouse, okay, the back portion. And the front was just, uh, you know, regular.
3: Uh, How did you know that road was being built? Did you just kind of drive around and saw the road, or did you actually look something?
2: Well,
1: I think I looked at maybe i'd heard about but you know there's a lot of activity in that area for yeah. ExxonMobil mm-hmm. and people were looking in the area and I, I i think what happened is i looked and i could see the road had started from one i saw the beginning here and i saw this beginning there and i, knew, I saw the name yeah. and i think what i then did is just put it in google okay. and then i found the plans. Got it. So, um, so that so then I knew basically, okay, well, this is what's happening. So then I thought, Okay, this is very good information. This is a commercial property. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, so the rent, the basically the rent, uh, she paid $1,800 a month, she, she continued staying there for about 18 months. And when she moved out, we got uh, two companies now I've got an oil and gas company leasing one half the building, and I've got a logistics company leasing the other half the building. And combined, they're now paying $3,200 a month. And um, we paid various upgrade costs, probably about $115,000. And here's a lucky thing that happened. And this kind of happens when you buy property, right? Especially when you buy land because sometimes people don't look up the details properly. Now, the title company made a bit of a mistake here because they sold us the land as unrestricted, all of it. And there was, there was actually um, two tracts. There was a three acre tract and there's a one, 1. 1.8 acre tract over here, okay, and together it was the 4.8 acres and they told us it was all unrestricted, so but after about six months of owning it we discovered that it wasn't all unrestricted, that was unrestricted, this 1.8 acres was a restricted for residential only, so we went back to the title company and said, um, hang on a second, You ensure this is unrestricted and it's actually one part of it is restricted. So after many months of talking and ignoring us and whatever, you know, they said, OK, look, we'll give you sixty five thousand dollars. Just, you know, stop bugging us. So my wife said, but based on what we need to do an appraisal. Maybe it's worth maybe the damage is worth more than sixty five thousand. So, we, our appraiser, we had to pay him like $3,000 or something to do an appraisal. He said, no, no, it's, it's 165000 not sixty-five. So they came back and said, no, they, they don't agree, but okay, let's do this. Let's split the difference. One hundred and twelve. How about that? So we said, okay, we'll take the 112. <coughs> so they paid us $112,000. So pretty much covered all our upgrade costs. And then, uh, so we bought it for three fifteen. The day we bought it, the bank appraised it on their appraisal 525000 So that lady, you know, she made a big mistake, the realtor, the, the listing realtor. Um, and but but today, based on my sort of pro reasonably conservative valuation, I think it's worth 650. So our increase in value is um, actually, you know what, it's, it's more because Okay, well actually that's a wash. So that's a wash, yeah, so 332. So it's about 332 and this is July 2016 and September 2000. So three years and a few months. So uh, so that was that deal. How do you you find out that the
3: land is restricted?
1: Well, when when you sell, you can you can tell. I mean, there's some programs that will tell you, uh, but really you find out through the title company. Because they have to look up the deeds and see if there's any deed restrictions on it. Well, so that's... Of fine, well, yeah, they <laughs> made a mistake. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, a good point. But, yeah. but thank goodness they made a mistake because I got $112,000. And actually, you know what? I went to my attorney and he said, listen, that restriction is ridiculous because it's one lady that restricted one lot herself and the whole neighborhood is unrestricted. So it's not going to stand up. He said, it doesn't make any sense that she even did this. So actually, we probably can use it commercially mm. anyway, <laughs> even though there's technically, so we basically, if somebody comes to fight us, and we have, might have to go to court, but you know, I'm prepared yeah. to do that. You know. What's the long-term
2: plan for that property? you think someone's gonna buy it? To well, it we're
1: waiting for that road to come through. Yeah. When the road comes through, the value of that property is just gonna go you know, over a million. Easy for commercial or residential? For commercial, commercial for commercial purposes, yeah, yeah. What? I mean, you could put some industrial buildings there, office buildings. You could put, I, I could put boat nori storage there, okay. uh, Because you can just easily get to forty five, and people in the area would want to store their stuff somewhere. People are going to be driving back and forth.
2: Because the yeah,
1: connection. yeah. So it's, I, I could easily do that. Um, you just got to build a road, the one thousand foot road to the connection. But that road's already
3: there. No, don't you have to connect to the main road that you're talking about, from the property to the. So uh, let me see. Yeah, the blue line. Yeah. So then you have to connect
1: that to the blue line. No, this, this road already, oh, it's already exists. There. Yeah, oh, okay. it's already there. Yeah. Oh, okay. All I, oh, okay. All I have to do is build this one. Oh, then, then You're I'm waiting for that. One. Yeah, I'm just waiting for <laughs> okay. that okay. one. Yeah. yeah. So every time Google Earth refreshes their, you know, their images, it's I, it's I look to behind. see how far this one's come. Oh, okay. But Sorry. but they're building pretty quick because these neighborhoods mm-hmm. are built yeah. out. Yeah. And now they're just going to make more neighborhoods here. Oh. This is all part yep. of Springwoods. It's a it's a, a big subdivision up there, um, a new one. Why don't you buy a drone and just do it yourself?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not very good with drones.
1: Okay. So, so that's that deal. You can hire George. And know, then this deal, <laughs> this deal is one I'm actually just busy with. We just bought this uh, last month. Now this one, oh sorry, no, not this one. This is this one I've owned for a, a little while. Uh, this one, this one I think came up on my filter on my daily emails and this was in, uh, it, it was a, I think it was a five point, yeah, 5.8 acres of land, again with a building. So you know, what I said is I like to have a building somewhere because I need, I need to get the income. I, there's no way I can pay cash for these deals, okay. And they were asking 350,000. So when I saw that, wow almost six acres of land with a building for 350. And I still haven't haven't even started negotiating yet. You know, so I was like, Okay, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna I I didn't even look at the property. I just saw it online, wrote up a contract and sent it in right away. So um, so but you don't always have to see the property, okay, you can just send in the contract. And you can look at it tomorrow. Don't worry, don't wait. So um, so this deal actually it wasn't that complicated I think I needed like a hundred thousand and I think I had my line of credit and I had some money from another deal actually I think that's right the land up in Montgomery that I sold for 275 I got that cash back and that was the cash I used to buy this one so I think that's where I had the money because I don't normally have a hundred thousand lying around but I think that one just closed, to then this one was available so um I paid 300 for this deal, I no- negotiated them down, actually I negotiated them down to 315. And then there was an encroachment on the property that they didn't tell me about. And I said, hey, hang on a second, there's a massive encroachment on the property here, I'm going to have to fix this. I c- you know, we're going to have to adjust the price to 300 at least, and they said, okay. So so, so I got it for 300. So basically, this is the property. So. It had, here's Huffsmith Road and uh, there's the building. The building was being used by an animal shelter. And uh, so the building was in terrible condition because it was dogs and cats uh, just you know all over the place. And so we had to completely remodel the place. So we, the remodeling costs was about $180,000. And here's, by the way, what I do with these deals is I always get my bids for the remodeling before we close the deal and my loan is my purchase price and my remodeling costs rolled into one and i just put a 20 percent down on the total so i don't buy it then figure out my remodel and then go back to the bank to get a second loan to do the remodeling because they're going to charge you more interest because it's a se- it's a, sec- a second position loan and they're going to give you more hassle and more fees so don't don't ever get two loans. Get one loan right in the beginning. Get all the quotes up front, and just close one time, so that you have. Uh, they might keep. They might hold back the money for the remodeling. Uh, sometimes they hold it back. Sometimes they give it to you right away, and then you just pay the contractors out of your bank account. But sometimes they uh, they hold it until you work with the contractors. So anyway, so so my plan was to. You know, fix up this building and get it leased out as fast as I could because I needed the income to pay for the whole thing. And then I was going to do on the back, I was going to do a a boat and RV storage facility along with some small office warehouse. And I'll show you in a minute the site plan. But when I went to the uh, when I went to the city of Tomball, because this is within the city of Tomball city limits, they said to me, you have to have a detention pond. So I said, "I, I know. I know I have to have a detention pond. I said, well, OK, good, well done. But you're going to have to drain it somewhere. So I said, well, OK, there's a, there was a big drainage ditch back here. So I said, well, why don't I drain it to the drainage ditch? They said, OK, yeah, you can do that. But where are you going to put your pipes? So I said, well, this Neal Street is a right-of-way. The street doesn't actually exist right now. It's just, it's just dirt. They were keeping it because of this tract uh, not being developed so they said as soon as this track develops uh, we need to be able to provide them access because we can't have them landlocked okay so they were keeping this right-of-way in case one day this guy develops so I said okay well look I'll tell you what I'll run my pipes underneath your your future street one day when it happens then my, uh, I'll run my pipe along there and then it'll drain into the drainage ditch they said no 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 no, no. that's a public street and your pipes are private. You can't run private pipes in a public street. I said, OK, I've, I've got the solution. As soon as I, my pipes are done, I'm going to donate it to the city so that it's a public pipe. Ah, no, you're too clever. You can't do that. I said, OK, well, uh, they said, why don't you ask this guy if you can put the pipe across his land? So I said, OK, I'm going to try and find this guy. So I look up the owners. There's two owners. Tandem Energy, oil and gas company, and uh, another lady, Elaine Anderson or something like that. So now I've got to try and find the oil and gas company. They don't actually exist anymore. So I had to track them down their history to find out who assumed this company and where they are. It was a nightmare. Anyway, I eventually find them. I say, listen, um, I'd like to run a pipe across here for my drainage. well, okay, yeah, we don't really care. You can put a pipe across there. So uh, so then I get to Elaine Anderson and her father is representing her. I can't remember the guy's name. Old guy. He's like 80. So I said, well, Mr. I think let's say Kevin. Kevin, you know, you've got this property. I want to put a project here and I want to run a pipe across the back here. Would you guys mind? He said, we don't mind. He said, in fact, We'll give you the land because we don't want it anymore. We've had this in the family for so long and um, it's causing us problems because we have to pay the taxes every year, which were very little. The taxes are like $50 a year, but they've had some, they had some issues with it in the family being passed back and forth. And there were some penalties at some stage. So I said, really? Well, that's nice. Uh, let me let me talk to the oil and gas company quickly. So I said to the oil and gas company, listen, they want to give me their land because it's landlocked. It's worth nothing. Can you guys give me also your land? (laughs) (laughs) They said, No, 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 we won't give it to you. But we'll sell it to you. So I said, Okay, well, how much? So he he, I said, it's an acre of land. He said, Okay, we'll do 17,000 because they they each owned an undivided interest in 50% of the property, which meant no one had a boundary. They together owned the whole thing as it is a weird setup. So eventually I find out that it's actually two acres, not one acre. So I go back to Tandem manager. I said, listen, it's not one acre, it's two acres, but I'll tell you, I'll still pay you the 17, you know, and they and he said, ah, oh. okay. So i I got the one acre for 17 and the other acre for free. So that was a really nice deal because now I had more land and uh, for only $17,000 and I didn't have to worry about some weird pipe thing, I could just go straight into the drainage ditch. So basically I got that piece added to my 5.8 acres. So you did not have to run any pipe now, you basically build a ditch I just, right next I to I can just put my detention pond yeah. in here yeah. and I run my pipe straight into the drainage ditch. Oh, okay. So then I go back to the city, I said, listen, uh, I got both pieces now, <laughs> and they said, well, in that case we don't need the right-of-way, we'll give you half the right-of-way. So that's this piece, right? So I said, well, why can't I have all of it? They said, oh, okay. no, we have to give the other guy half, so you get half, but for free. So it's another 15,000 square feet or something that I got there. That's all. So then uh, this little, there's a little tiny little house on here, and these were the people that were encroaching on my property. They had an encroachment like that, like a fence like that. So I was really not happy about the encroachment. And I asked them when I very first bought the property, I said, listen, please, can I buy your property from you? Because, or can I pay you to remove the encroachment? Because they've had it, that encroachment for like 20 years. And if you have it for so long, it's almost like it becomes yours. (laughs) But what happened was, uh, it was actually her mom that used to live there. The whole family used to live in that little house. It's in, it was in pretty bad shape. And, uh, the mom ended up in an old age home. So what happened was her son took over the house, and he lived there, but he never paid any, any money. And he was basically a drug addict living in this little house. And it was a shambles. I mean, it was a mess. So she thought the sister wanted to sell her the little property for like, I don't know, she thought it was worth like $95,000. I said to her, well, I don't think so. But anyway, please just sell me this little piece that you've encroached and she would never deal with me. So one day, the cops lock up the guy because he's stealing or something or he's doing something to get the drugs right. So there's, now the property's empty. So I thought, you know what? Now that it's empty, I'm gonna take back my land because it's actually on the survey, it says it's mine. So I knocked down their fence and I, I built my own fence there to there and I put a sign on there, no trespassing. So now I basically cut their yard completely in half like there was just very little land left so when the sister saw that she didn't have any land left she called me up and said okay look there's no way i can sell this now because i've got no yard do you want to buy it i said okay yeah i'll pay you what i paid for this land and i showed her my contract i'll pay you the same dollar value per square foot that i paid for this because there's my comp okay but she didn't know how little i paid for that so it worked out that I paid $16,000 for this piece of land so basically I then got that piece and that was half the half the road for free so I managed to get all these properties by basically you know negotiating with the oil and gas company getting the one piece free getting that piece free getting that one for a very good deal so so it was kind of a what do they call it assemblage, (laughs) assembling parcels So, uh, so this was this is the side plan we ended up with. So th- this is the small office warehouse, and this is the boat and our storage facility, and this is the, the existing building that I remodeled and I put in a parking lot and I, and I fenced it. And then I basically resurveyed the whole property, and this uh, I made this much tighter. I, I surveyed out this lot, and this whole extra piece, which comes to about seven and a half acres of land, I sold to me and a partner. So in another LLC, basically, what happened was I valued it just for, my, for our private deal at $350,000. So which meant that I had to pay three, uh, half of three hundred and fifty, but I already owned it, right? So essentially, all he did is he gave me $175,000 for his half. So I own this little piece now, which, I, which I, I'm leasing out. And then together, me and him own all of this, which hasn't been built yet. It's just land right now. That's just the the site plan. We own all of that free and clear because he gave me cash and I already owned it. So we just uh, did a a a release of lien, a partial lien release on this land. So there's no lien on it at all. It's free and clear, paid for, and we're just waiting for our project. And uh, and my lien basically is just now remaining on this little piece, but it has income. So thank goodness the income pays for the lien. So that's how we got that deal. So the reason, so why, this is a new component now. So why am I getting involved in small office warehouse? You might ask, right? So I'm gonna ask the question for you. So the reason is, okay, I'm gonna show you why. Basically, boat and RV storage, I love the business. Lots of units, nobody on site, you know I don't need employees easy to run no one ever complains I mean for goodness sake it's the nicest business I can think of but what's the downside the rent per square foot is not high okay it's kind of low if you look if you compare it to other things so small office warehouse rent per square foot is quite a bit higher but when I started when I looked at it I thought man this is not a heck of a lot different from boat and RV storage. So, I saw this little project, this is on Loera Road, it's called called community storage, you can look it up. Uh, So they had actually a storage facility, self-storage, and on the side, they had these little small office warehouses, which basically is a tiny little warehouse and a little office and that's it. This goes in and el- the the office doesn't go all the way to the back, so the office only goes halfway, and the warehouse bends around the back. So the dimensions are twenty foot wide, and ten foot tall on this on this project, and then thirty two foot deep. So six hundred and forty square foot for the whole thing. So I, I I went in there and there was a little guy called the Glass Guru who was renting one of these places. So I heard, hey Manuel, can I come in and have a look around, So look like, yeah, sure. So I'm like in there with my laser measuring, seeing distances, how big is this, how did they build it? So I said, how much are you paying rent here? He said, 700 bucks a month. So I'm like, 700, it's only 640 square foot. That's a dollar 15 per square foot. And what am I getting on my boat and RV storage? 35 cents a square foot. So 35 cents a square foot. And I'm looking at the construction here and I'm thinking, jeez, my boat and RV storage Buildings are taller than this. The back of my buildings are 16 foot, and the front's 14 foot. This is only 10 foot. So I'm thinking it's using. It seems to be using less steel because the buildings are lower, and you know, there. These are only going 32 foot deep, whereas my boat and RV storage are 45 foot deep because you know RV is a long thing. So I thought. Okay. The only thing that's expensive is the little office, but that's not even expensive because we're not—they're not building for Halliburton or anybody you know fancy. This is like just plain old little Ford, cheapest ceiling you can think of, a one light, two plugs, and a and a, and this is like a little motel unit that they just put on the floor for AC. So I think, man, this this cannot cost a lot of money, you know. Okay, a little bit more than you would expect, but not that much more. So that's why I thought, you know what, that's a great component uh, for my property. So that's why we started putting a, a, a small office warehouse component alongside boat and RV storage. And because also these guys probably because they've got such small spaces, if they expand and need more storage, I got it right here, you know. So um, so. Because in my existing boat storage up in Conroe, I've got a number of commercial clients that are storing uh, like trailers with, with uh, earth moving equipment on the trailer and inside my covered storage. And the one guy that I have is a septic, uh, septic guy. He builds septic systems. He leases, I think, four or five spaces from me. So I thought, man, there's other people like him out there, you know.
0: So a couple of questions. So detention pile. That's a pretty big d- detention pond for a property this size. So a whole two acres dedicated to a detention pond. Is that well, that's just well, a government requirement? Well, uh,
1: I, I'm still going to go and talk to the, my engineer about the yeah. size. It's actually one point seven four acres yeah. of detention yeah. pond because you've got to have berm yeah. Yeah. around. Yeah. But I'm also providing detention for this. Oh, okay. For the I'm actually d- providing detention for everything you see here. Right. Not just for this. So that's um, just a
0: city requirement based On your acreage, how
1: much you can t- typically, um, rule of, th- rule of thumb, yeah, take 20% of your land yeah. detention, okay, yeah. yeah, so it's a lot, yeah, you know? yeah, okay. Yeah. And especially the percentage goes up if your lot's only one and a half acres, yeah, it's more than to tw- it's like 25% because you've got so you got a, your berm on a small lot starts taking up more percentage, yeah, because you've got to have a 20 foot berm, yeah, yeah. yeah. So on a small lot, that 20 foot is a big percentage. On a big lot like this, it's not as big a percentage. So actually my total percentage of my pond, I could probably get it down. You can go deeper and Mm -hmm. take less space. Uh, So you gotta kind of weigh it up. Yeah. The last question is, it seems like your partner
0: got a pretty good deal. I mean, I think three fifty for the. Oh yeah,
1: he got a sweet deal because the land. He did all the work The land is worth seven fifty. Right. For the whole deal, yeah. No, he did get a very good deal. But I needed the money. Yeah. And I didn't want to partner with just anybody. Right. So and he has. I know he has money because he paid me one hundred and seventy-five thousand in cash. Right. Yeah, that's true. So. Uh, okay. So anyway, so so here's the comparison of the, uh, you know, the sizes and the and the rents. This is the boat storage, and that's small office warehouse. And actually, that's kind of low that $1.15. Because that's my plan on my boat on my small office warehouse is my is if you want to lease for 12 months, you're going to get my lowest price. So I'll lease let's just say 750. And my rates not 700 750 was 640 square foot. If you sign a 12 month lease, if you want a six month lease, it's going to be 800 per month. If you want month to month because you've got a brand new business, and you don't want it to run the risk, it's going to be $900. i am trying to keep the total rent under $1,000 a month because people have this mental block about going over a 1000 right? So for the small businessman that doesn't want to run a risk, wants to lease month to month, I'm going to give it to him months to month, I don't care. I'm already in the boat and RV storage business where we don't have long term contracts, everything's month to month, you you can move in to today, you can move out tomorrow, you know, but my business is fine. So I'm already used to the month to month deal. I don't really care. Because I've got so many you see, I've got volume. So in that, in this site plan, over here, I've got, uh, I think six there. I've got another, I think another six at 12. And then 1234510. So 12 and 22. So, one of them is what? It's at uh, is that five percent? Yeah, five percent. That's a shared bathroom, I guess, the washcloth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. One restroom for in community storage. These guys have twenty spaces, one toilet, (laughs) and they don't have a men's and a woman's one toilet (laughs) for everybody. So I thought, hang on a sec, I I can do better than that. I'm going to put one one per building, and actually mine is actually uh, one restaurant but it's a uh, uh, ladies and a men's mm. okay. you know so we've who keeps that clean? Centers. Centers. i'll just hire a company oh the uniform company yeah oh, i think it's they is <laughs> it, <laughs> it they did cleaning too do they do i don't know That's i don't think so <laughs> uh, I, don't well, know. I don't know i'll find somebody yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> i'll find somebody i'll just yeah you know, i'll hire somebody to do that i don't want king to cling <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what's your
0: time frame for, for development
1: well, as soon as possible, I'm, I'm waiting for, well, we've just actually given this to the engineer, the architect and starting to negotiate with the city on some stuff. So we're hoping that we can get the permits for this by the end of the year, which is going to be quick. I don't think we're going to get it by the end of the year, but my partner thinks we can get things that quickly, but he's young. So he's, he's going to find out that things don't happen that quick, but maybe, maybe we get lucky.
3: How do you know there's a market for more RV storage? You do the research, or you just
1: kind of talk. Uh. Well, I mean, you know, whether you like go around the comps and see how full the lots are. I just think it. You know, there's there's new neighborhoods building uh, townhomes very close to us. Yeah. And uh, and it, there's more homes coming, so um, you know it just people just need storage all the time. You know and uh, especially covered storage and lockable storage. So it might not <coughs> fall up right away. Well, that's the other nice thing about this kind of business. I don't have to build all these buildings in one go. Uh-huh. You know, I can build, sure. you know, the, th- that segment over there first and then not build this. Okay. And then, you know, once these fill up, uh-huh. I can then run the, pull the trigger and run the risk of doing the rest. Are your lockable storage comparable to, I guess, storage no. facilities?
3: Uh, No, 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 it's way, way cheaper. If you do
1: a regular storage facility without AC, 85 cents a square foot. If you do a storage facility with AC, dollar plus. That's the rental cost? The rental per square foot, at least a dollar. This is 35 cents for lockable. For lockable, yes, it's way cheaper. To store in your location is a lot cheaper than going to a regular storage facility. Yeah, regular storage facilities are expensive. You they don't. They don't really deal with boat and RV in the regular facilities. I know. I know. Some of them do, but they they like the high dollar per square foot business. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they have employees on site. Yeah. I don't want employees. Sure. You know. And so
3: you, does your facility have power or anything like uh,
1: that? Some of the some of the uh, spaces I do put a, a 50 amp plug in because some of the RVs they like to. Keep the humidity down with uh, some kind of a unit that oh, kicks in good. every now and then. And but charge we your charge your more for those. You charge for power, or you have to No, we just up the oh, okay. the rates. You know, I don't think it uses that much. You know, we have we've we've added to specific spaces that those tenants requested it, mm-hmm. and we've hardly seen our bill could change. You know, so okay. I don't think it actually uses that much. You know. So when you get
0: a commercial loan to develop this project. Yeah, and then. Uh, Try
1: to take six, 12, I mean, a couple of years to do it. Well, it depends. I mean, we'll probably build, we're thinking of building this first okay. and then leasing these out because these provide the biggest return. And then once we've got the cash flow from this, the cash flow will be so good that this will not be a problem yeah. you know, to service a loan for this. Good idea. And because we've things. got the whole property cash, fr- you know, without a loan, yeah. we're going to use that yeah. as equity mm-hmm. for getting our loan for, for that yeah. piece of construction um so okay so let's look at the deal okay so i bought it for 300 i put 185 in uh i bought the two acres and because i did this with my partner i i only paid 8500 because he paid the other 8500 i bought my neighbor property for sixteen thousand, and i forgot to tell you (laughs) the tomball city Gave me twenty thousand dollars because I was making the property better, right? So I got twenty thousand dollars from Tumble for that. You and said to
0: apply for it. But they just gave
1: yeah, no, 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 no. You have to apply, apply for, for it. The yeah. And then I sold fifty percent of the land, so I got one hundred seventy-five thousand back. So my my bottom line at the end of the day, after all of these calculations, I actually ended up paying three hundred fourteen. And what am I left with? I'm left with a building that's worth five hundred which with a, with a tenant and I've got the land which is worth 700 so my share is worth 350 uh, and so the total, my total worth over there is 850 and my total cost after you know adding and subtracting over here is 314 so I made uh, half a million and I bought it March last year so I'm, I'm up just over half a million on, on this deal and you know if, if I wanted to sell it you know right now I want to keep what I've got right now and so and, ob- and obviously adding that projects going to make you know add the valuation a lot, a lot you know um, so that's that one number four this is the one I just found recently and the street is also East Huffsmith so this is how I found it. it it was on my way to that property that I just showed you I kept driving by it and I saw suddenly there was a sign popped up on the thing from a residential realtor thank goodness that they wanted to sell it so I thought, at first, I didn't even look at the value because I thought, it's going to be overpriced, you know. This is such a good area. This road is so busy, you know. I can't, th- I can't believe that I could get two deals on the same road that are good, you know, within such a short time. It's just not going to happen. So I, I actually ignored it for a few weeks. Finally, I thought, I've got a call just to find out. Like, my, my curiosity is like, I need to know what they want for it. So I called them, and uh, I think they wanted yeah, 3499. It's funny how most of my deals were around that 300, 300 <laughs> something thousand. So I thought, 349, are they crazy? There's a lot of value here. There's a 1,600-square-foot home on pier and beam in the front, and there's a 24000 square foot warehouse, separate freestanding building behind that, and in between the two there's a 715-square-foot carport. Okay, which was just open on on all sides, and three point nine five acres of land. So again, buildings, extra land, and it it was in the five hundred year floodplain, except the buildings were lifted out. So they were okay. So I um, I, I needed to I negotio- I wanted to get, I wanted to close the deal at three twenty five. So I think I sent an offer for three hundred. And they counted with three what did they say? Three thirty or something, I think. And I said three twenty. And or they I think they said three thirty-five. And I said three twenty. And then they said three thirty. I don't know. We ended up at three twenty-five, exactly where I wanted to. I can't remember exactly how I got there. But so now I, I needed uh, I needed on this deal. With all the upgrades, as I projected all the upgrades, I needed to put in $110,000. I didn't have 110 dollars So I thought, uh, I'm going to get a partner in this deal. I had a good friend that um, was looking for a deal. So we basically each put in 55 dollars I had 55 dollars which I scrambled together with a line of credit, and I don't know where else I got the money. But I, I managed to get 55 dollars but I couldn't quite do 110 dollars although if, if I had pushed for it, I probably could have figured out a way. Um, so that's how we got it so this is the property so that's the the house on the pier and beam that was the carport and that's the warehouse this one was on a slab that's pier and beam and it was kind of a it's kind of a funny shape that the road bends like this but actually the bend is actually quite nice because it this is almost like in the in the bend so the visibility of this property is actually really good there's a uh, electric uh, sorry, uh, electricity, big poles running across here with wires, so this is kind of you can't really use this. Um, that's a uh, Tennessee gas transmission company pipeline easement across there so you can't really use that. The whole, the whole piece almost is in the 500-year floodplain. And uh, well sorry, that's all floodplain, and I think there's a piece over here that's in the 500-year floodplain. And you can build in the 500-year floodplain if you put the buildings up, if you build a a base. And the fence was running like a real funny shape like this. So I thought, okay, we'll we'll move this fence and make it straight like this. And we'll keep this and we'll sell all of this. So I went to the city engineer and I said, hey, can, can somebody build on here? And he said, yep, as long as they put the building just high enough to be out the floodplain. Exactly like these buildings because these buildings are actually also in the 500 year floodplain, except they're just pushed up a little bit. So I said, Cool, that's all I need to know. Can I, can someone put a building on there? Yes, great. So, uh, we, so I, in my uh, estimate to the bank, I said that we want to try and sell this for 125,000 and then we're going to fix these up <coughs> and rent them out, and um, that's the deal. So, actually, what happened was. Um, we actually ended up uh, putting the land under contract for 140000 But this, was, this is the financial analysis that I, that I actually ended up with. Uh, and these are real numbers now because I, I have a tenant that um, hasn't signed the contract yet, but they, they've essentially agreed to these rents. They want to rent the, the office for two 2025 and the warehouse for 2025, and I, I said I'll give them the storage building for free. And uh, and then they're paying property uh, tax and school tax and all these triple net fees there. And then basically they're, gonna, they're, they're agreeing to $5,269 a month, which gives me a $46,100 net operating income, which if you add up the uh, purchase price, there's 325 there's my upgrade costs. I'm at 504. So if you divide that into 504, you get 9.14% as a cap rate on the deal. So a pretty good cap rate. And you can see in my original estimates, I first estimated 125,000 for the sale, and then I increased it here to 130. We actually ended up putting a, a contract for 140 on the deal. So, um, so what? So we, we got um, we got another uh, deal from this Tomball Economic Development Corporation giving us money because we're upgrading the property. So they gave us $18,000 uh, this time. Uh, and um, let me see, what else? So essentially, I, I, I always run two IRR calculations. Do you guys know what IRR is? Mm-hmm. Internal rate of return. Yep, internal rate of return, okay. So, I I always run two. I always want to see what the cash IRR is, okay? Because on the leveraged IRR, you can play a lot of games, okay? Because, you know, you can put down 1% and your IRR can be 300%, you know. So, you can play a lot of games. But this one, for cash, you can't play any games with this one. Because this one's going to tell you if this you know, if you've got a decent double-digit return here, then you've got a pretty decent deal, you know. And if you then choose to finance it, well, you know, you'll, you'll be doing even even better. So, uh, so this one on a cash basis was 15.8% uh, internal rate of return. And, um, you know, you can see, th- this is the one I was telling you about, George, 75% internal rate of return that's with a 20% cash down payment so I mean that's pretty incredible on a 20% down payment so so basically this deal which we only just bought uh, last month 12th of August is when we closed on the deal we paid 325 my upgrades going to be 179 we've already got this under contract for 140 closing in a in a in about 30 days time Tomball's giving us uh, 18,000 so my net cost, you know, you know, adding that and deducting this and deducting this, three forty six. Okay, so $346,000 uh, and uh, that's repeated over here. So, but basically, at a $46,000 uh, NOI and an 8% cap rate, my valuation on what I'm left after I've sold the, the, the you know, the 2.1 acres, my valuation's now five seventy six. Which is two hundred and thirty thousand dollar increase in value, in like a month, you know. So another good deal. Yeah. You know. um, Being creative. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, and really not doing anything crazy. I mean, right. I just did a simple. I think boom. most
0: people will look at that, like especially retail investors like myself, will look at it just based on the solely on income of the property, right? Yeah. Not
1: thinking about the separating the value of the land, not yeah. maximizing. Well, that's the other nice thing about buying some ex- something extra. Is you right. can always sell the extra and that really makes your your IRR go right. through the roof, okay. you know, because of like that Fritz Lane property that my wife where she we used her money. We've got almost four acres of land that we could sell uh, and we could get pretty good money for that today and just keep the building and c- you know cash flow the building. But we know that that land value can double or triple when that road comes through because, you know, r- remember you get the biggest appreciation on vacant land. Overnight, it can go like that. You know, literally overnight, you, your value of your land can double or triple, and I've seen it happen. So, hey, Q and A. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I want to buy
3: a piece of land and I want to make sure it's unrestricted, I know I can go to the title of the company to do it. But what would you recommend for me to do my uh, initial due diligence? You know, just make sure that the land really unrestricted. Well, just
1: ask your realtor. But on, on HAR, it tells you it's unrestricted because they normally know, and then they like to advertise if it's unrestricted. And there's a there's a thing on the on the HAR like one of the fields where you say it's restricted to residential, or it's, it'll say like four mm. horses only, or you know, no mobile homes. That's a restriction. Okay. So they they have to select level of restriction when they list the property. Mm-hmm. So they, if there's no restriction, they just select unrestricted. So that's how my filter works. My filter on a residential little website that sends me deals, I've picked, I only want to see stuff that's unrestricted. So it's automatic. What I see is unrestricted.
2: Yeah, but, but the follow-up question on that is, you know, how do you double check it Because sometimes we they make a mistake.
1: Well, double check it, have the title company or an, an attorney look at it. Okay. but the title company is the best because they look at the deeds okay but you can also by the way the deeds are public record
2: yeah yeah. so through.
1: you can go on the website yourself yeah. if you know how to do it and start looking at but you'll probably miss half the documents right because you don't know how to search properly for all the documents related to a property because you can find maybe one mm-hmm. but there's probably another five yeah. you know Okay. so you know you don't know which one's got the restriction so title company probably the best yeah title company so, basically, part of the, the due diligence during your feasibility period, mm-hmm. okay, when you get the title commitments back, so you've got it under contract, you think it's unrestricted, but you don't know. So, now, you get, after 10 days, they send you the title commitments from the title company. So, when you get the title commitments, that's going to tell you those documents. So, you don't even have to even ask them; They're going to send it to you. But then you still might under- you might not understand what you're looking at right because you're not, do, you're not doing this every day so you get an attorney to say listen i'm buying this and it needs to be unrestricted don't screw me around don't make mistakes you better te- you better be right tell me if it's unrestricted or not so he's going to look at those title doc commitments, and he's going to tell you yeah don't worry it's unrestricted or he will say no 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 there's a restriction in there and then you go back to the title company or the seller and they say, hey, you, you, you told me this is unrestricted and there's a restriction. Come on, what are you doing? I have to reduce the price and you, know, you start, you know. So it, it, it kind of, that's part of the job you have to do before you close the deal. doesn't mean you can't put a contract on it. Put the contract on as soon as you can. Figure it out later. Is it really restricted or not? You know. Or you can go to the city or the county that it's in and ask them. They'll also know or they should know. How much earnest money do you typically put in and, uh, the option fee? One 1% percent. One percent. earnest money and then option fee, 200 bucks, 100, 100 200 bucks for option fee and, 30 and, days and, and it depends on the property, uh-huh. I, <coughs> I usually try and get 60 days, 60. why? because usually I have to try and figure out where I'm going to get the money and I want more time, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, and, the, and so but I don't tell them that I, I never tell people I, I don't have the money because that yeah. makes them worried. Okay. Right? <laughs> so I say to them, look, there's lots of land with this deal. I, I need I need to figure out where my buildings are going to go. So I'm gonna have to talk to my engineer, my architect, I, I just list like five people. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. So you got 60 days. I'm not really going to talk to those many people. Yeah. I know what I want to do, right? but that's you have to give them the sto- you have to give sure. them story and you know what you have to yeah. tell them what Style. they want to hear, yeah. you yeah. know, so that they give you the time. Do you, do you need to do any environmental like phase 1, phase 2 for properties? I mean, you should. You
3: should. Do you <laughs> <laughs> I never do.
1: Well, look, okay, look. You know what happens when you yeah. do a phase 1? Have you have you seen people do a phase 1?
3: Yeah, they kind of just look at the history of the property how it was used yeah and it's just looking. could happen the,
1: well number one they go to the property so they walk the property right mm-hmm. and they look for what they call like uh, Indicator. indicators or something that would recommend a phase two yeah. but they don't test any soil yeah. they don't they're just looking around and they look on public records yep. okay to see if there was ever any problem Well, you can flipping do that yourself. I can walk on the property and look (laughs) around and see if I see a problem, right? Uh, I don't need to pay someone $1,500 to do that. And then, you know, look, if I can see that there's drums of oil lying around, well, okay, now I might want to get one. But if I just, like this property, it was just grass and a little pond and beautiful trees. I'm not going to go spend a lot of money for somebody that's going to tell me, it's okay you know I can see it. it's okay so I'm not, I don't want to waste the money. but if my clients ask me, I tell them, listen, uh, you need to do that if you're worried about it and here's my disclaimer that you have to sign which told you which I said I told you to get one. Uh, so don't come back to me if you don't get one. But privately I'll tell them, look, you know I probably wouldn't get one on this property you know. or the bank requires you get one. The bank sometimes wants one. <laughs> because it's a commercial property, and they're they they're sometimes worried about yeah. the environmental stuff, you know. But um, sure. but if the bank doesn't doesn't want it, then I'm not going to get it. Okay. So in all all your deals, the bank hasn't hasn't requested. No, no, no. Sometimes they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I just got to do it. You okay. got to do what the bank. And the bank also the thing is with the appraisals nowadays. You know, I could get an appraisal done cheaper than the bank because the bank's just you know, they just pick three companies that do appraisals and they get birds and then they just like, you know, pick one. Actually, they ask you to pick. They say, here's our birds, pick one. But the birds they give me are always so high. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the other day I figured out how to ask is, because they always ask for fastest. Who can do this the fastest? I said, no, 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 you're asking the wrong question. I want cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So now I've got to tell them, Get me the cheapest three birds and I'll pick one. Don't get, I don't care about speed. Cause you know, if he takes three weeks instead of two weeks, I don't care, you know, it's just another week. I've got 60 days. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Residential appraisers uh, usually cost, you know, like 500
0: to a thousand dollars. Is commercial appraisal much, much up? Uh, 2,500. 3,000. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, much yeah money. it is much more. Much
1: more money, yeah. But you know, yeah. Some of them are cheaper than others, and if I can save between one appraiser and another one, yeah. uh, five hundred or a thousand dollars, I'm going to save it. So, you know, so mo- usually I pick end up picking the guy that's going to take the longest because yeah. you know they, they don't want to rush. You know, so they offer it for cheap. I don't know why, because they still have to do the work. Even though it's just land,
0: they they charge that much. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. It depends. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all different. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, for residential, you have like
2: comps to run, right? For appraisal value, pretty much yeah. kind of have an idea, kind right. of even before hiring appraiser. But for commercial, you have same approach. So commercial like, is, is
1: really tricky because the properties are also different. So like on HR, it's easy. Like hey, there's a house. There's another twenty next to either side of that house. I can easily get my comps, and you know. Yeah. It's so easy. Anybody can do it, you know, if they have an HAR account. I mean, so it's really easy for the realtors to get you the numbers. That does not exist in commercial. There's no database where you can go in and say, look, just give me the sales. So really, you almost have to just know your market really well, watch the market a lot and watch what people are asking and and find out what people are, you know, if you see something that's sold, find out how much the, the deal went for, you know. Or if you don't have the time to do that, find a, a commercial broker that knows his area very well. Because they get to know the land value, the buildings value, the commercial value of all the stuff around just by being so active. See so if they do enough deals, you don't, they don't even have to look at a cop, they know.
2: You know. So but, but this these appraiser, where do they get their you know cop from? Well, call. Well, yeah, they call us. They call okay. I get
1: calls like ah, every see. day. I see. Hey, 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 you know, I saw that you were the listing agent on this deal, and it sold. Oh, I see, I see. Please, can you, please, can you tell me what you sold it for? Like, so sometimes I tell them, and sometimes I don't. You know, it depends. Yeah. Most of the times I do because, you know, they always say, "Look, and if you're stuck one day, call me, and I'll help you." Yeah. You know, I see. but. Um, yeah, so we, the only company that I refuse to give comps to is CoStar, which is LoopNet, um, because they sell them back to me or to other people. So I don't give them anything for free. I tell them, look, if you want to pay me, I'll give you a comp. And they say, no, no, we can't pay. Well, I, don't, I, can't, I can't give it to you, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. Usually, how, how long is the feasibility period for your deal? 10 days, um, 20 days?
1: No, 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 I don't do anything less than 30.
2: And I usually do 60. No, no, like 60 is the... Feasibility. Oh period
1: yes. Or sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Feasible. What you, What was the question?
2: Like the option period. Oh, the option yeah. period. That's the same. Feasibility option period. Yeah. Oh, sixty days. Yeah. And then how long is the closing date usually for this type of deal?
1: And then another thirty days closing after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so. Ninety days. Months, Ninety days. Oh. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh,
2: but your feasibility, you can ask for sixty days. Yeah. And you can't. anything.
1: Well, I've got a client now that bought. Well, not my client. I. My client's selling a piece of land up in, t- in Conroe, we're selling it to Dollar General. Uh-huh. Dollar General, we've given them a six-month feasibility oh, wow. <laughs> and, the reason, and the reason they're doing that is because they want to get their permits before they even close on the property. Oh, wow. So that they can close and tomorrow the dozers can come in and they can start building. So they don't want to waste, have their money sitting dead uh-huh. for six months. So we, we knew that. And we were prepared to wait because my client's making a lot of money out of the deal. <laughs> how <laughs> how much? How much? Uh, how much uh, earnest money they
3: pay for sixty for six months?
1: Two hundred dollars. Two hundred
3: dollars. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's. Commercials not like residential. <laughs>
3: you know. No, but I guess that's only for land. For apartment, no, they won't give you for $200,000. Yeah, so no, 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 yeah. But
1: <laughs> this is this is just unimproved vacant land. I that's see. It, you know. uh, do you need so to insure land or just the structures? Only the buildings. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's so no when insurance. you have
3: the, uh, go, uh, build out the oh, uh, cover lot, you're
1: going to insure all that too, right? Yeah, the buildings, once I build them, yeah. I'll have to insure them. Okay. But yeah, with, with no land, there's no insurance. So we don't have... We, we have very little cost on that land that we're holding. We have just the property tax. You get city violations that tell you,
3: you know to cut the grass on the seven-acre
1: property. Yeah, actually, there's a piece there that we do have which touches the, the city road. But okay. the land behind, oh, you don't have to no, that. we don't have to cut that. Oh, okay. Just on the front. No. So there's like a small little strip. In fact, my guy was out there today. Grass, yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just texted me cutting that. But it's not a lot. It's I pay him for three. For one, two, I pay him $50 for the one, $50 for the other, and $100 for the third one. This last deal that I just showed you, I pay him $100 for that, and he's cutting like an acre of grass. I see you like North
3: Houston, is that your market? Yeah. That's your yeah, because I
1: live in the woodlands, so okay, that's kind you don't want to like, drive like- No, like I don't anymore. really want to come all Probably the way down there. <laughs> so I, I, only, so look, we appreciate I only, only really look for that stuff. So, okay, so here's my surprise, okay. So, have you guys heard of uh, Kiva? yeah micro lending yes so we've created a team uh, called bring hope to the world which is a 501c3 charity that I that I created for my company and um, it's on it's on Kiva okay and we're we have a big mission with uh, bring hope to the world and the door prizes I have for you guys tonight is um, I've got a bring hope to the world t-shirt and I've got either a visor or a cap for somebody. And uh, I don't know how we I thought we we're gonna have like everybody's gonna get business calls or whatever, but <laughs> we have to figure out how to do this. But whoever gets it, you're going to be commit to do a selfie. Okay, with your t shirt and your cap. And you have to then post it on social media with uh, these hashtags 1 million members 100 million USD by 2025. That's our mission is we want to grow our team to have a million members. And we want to lend 100 million USD by 2025. And if we do that, by that time, I think we'll be the the biggest Kiva team on the planet, the fastest growing for sure. Uh, And anyway, so that's that's our deal. So um, and here's a bribe, okay. This is my uh, spreadsheet I built, which basically allows you to analyze deals. So basically what you can put in here is you can, the green fields, okay, is manual entry. The rest, don't, don't mess with the rest. And you can put in your vacancy factor management fee if you have any of that, otherwise just zero that out. But you can put in your property tax, building insurance and the maintenance stuff, and it'll essentially, and your purchase price, and it'll calculate your net operating income uh, for you. And then over here, if you enter in your, your cap rate that you wanna sell at, and you put in your selling commissions and closing costs and so on, and your rent escalations and your deposit and all of this stuff. And you can even put in your upgrade costs for year one, which is typically you do all your upgrade costs year one, right? So if you did all of this, it's going to calculate your IRR for you, for a, for a cash deal and for a finance deal. And then, um, you know, then you've got your numbers. So now you know, is this going to a great deal? Or just a good deal or whatever so basically i will send you guys this if join kiva join our team and email me and then i will i will give you that spreadsheet for free (laughs) so so here are okay well, I'm gonna give you guys each one of my business costs so you can get all of me. Oh, awesome, thank
0: you very much. So does so it cost to join Kiva? I didn't get the... Uh, no, oh,
1: Kiva. Okay, yeah. it's micro-lending. Yeah. It's is so, Kiva is basically, it's a micro-lending platform. So what it is, is, uh, did you guys ever hear of Muhammad Yunus? Yeah. No. Muhammad Yunus is a guy from Bangladesh. He was a professor. And in Bangladesh, he was a prof- in his university where he was in, the very poor people in Bangladesh, they were walking outside his university all the time and he wanted to know, he was an economist, he wanted to know how can we help these people because basically they struggled to get any loans to, to run a business because no one would lend to them. They are unbanked. The unbanked poor, that's what the issue was. So he took, out, he took 25 bucks and he went to a group of about eight women and he said, listen, I'm going to lend you guys this money as a group. You guys pay me back, but use the money, buy rice, sell rice. I don't know, make rice cakes, whatever you do. So he, they paid him back. And he was like amazed. And he's like, this is unbelievable. They're actually paying me back. I never thought they would do it. But they're they the same as you and me. They just don't have as much, mm-hmm. you know. So he created Grameen Bank. And Grameen Bank was lending to the poor in Bangladesh. And it became a big thing. and. Because of that work, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. So in 2008, an American woman, I can't remember, I think her name is Jack Lee, Jessica Jackley or something like that. She created Kiva, which is basically the same thing, micro-lending, but crowdfunding mm-hmm. small loans to the poor. Gotcha. So what they do is their minimum loan is $25. And so you can create a, a little account with your profile and all that kind of stuff. And you can put 25 bucks in, and then you can lend it out to some group that you find on Kiva. They have a little platform where you can filter all the people looking for loans. And somebody there'll be like five women banded together. They want to buy a cow and three pigs and two chickens, you know. So they need, you know, 1,500 dollars. So you you haven't got 1,500 dollars to lend them, but all together, everybody can put 25 bucks together and crowd fund that little 1,500 dollar loan. So then. They'll typically repay those loans either in four, four payments, or six payments, eight payments, or 12 payments. That's 90% of the loans is less than a year your, your money's repaid. And w- when it's repaid, you can lend it out again. Mm-hmm. So it's no interest, you're not getting interest. It's just a, a free loan to them to use and to run their little business. And occasionally, you can donate to Kiva, the organization from the money that you have in there because they need some money to run their operation. Okay, So I try and keep my donations to about 1% of my total value that I have in my account and, and you can track that. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's like you control the money and you can take it out, like once it's repaid to you, you can say, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to make any more loans. I want to put it back in my bank account uh, or you can just keep recirculating it. So. You can start with, let's say, a hundred bucks, and after being repaid and being lending out, and repaid and lending out, you can have thousand-dollar total loans. You only ever put in a hundred. Yeah. You know, because it keeps spinning around. So um, we're trying to get more people into that, and we've created this uh, team, and we've got our web, our new website's just about to be released. So what I have is I have this. It's bright, it's, more, it's very f- female-oriented, because, <laughs> <laughs> because, 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 and why is that? Because we actually, in our group, we pretty much, we lo- lend mostly to women. Okay. But you don't have to. You can lend to whoever you want, but me personally, I lend to groups of women. And the r- reason I do groups is because they keep each other accountable. Because mm-hmm. if I lend to just one lady or one man, if they have a bad week or a bad month or something like that, they're not going to make the payments on the loan. But when there's eight to 10 people in a group, one of them can fail, the other eight or nine will pick up the slack because they don't want to be dinged, and then they can't get another loan in future. So they, my repayments are, I've got almost no defaults. It's my, my default rate is like 0.001 or something like it. very, like almost, almost non-existent. So how are we going to do this? Who, well, who wants? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> social media. Right? Oh. What What size are you?
4: Uh,
1: Okay, then I have to get you another T-shirt. Oh, it's okay.
4: It's okay. No problem. No, I, no,
1: it's down in my vehicle. Oh, it's downstairs. But
4: no
1: I've got a cap for you. Yeah. So uh, then I just have to give you yeah, t yeah. T-shirt. So how would you post it on social media?
2: Right, wear yeah. it, and join your tea.
1: He, yeah, if I mean, look, okay. The posting on social mesi- mm-hmm. media is because I'm giving you a T-shirt and a cap. Yes. So that's the that's <laughs> the deal. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. but 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 the, but, the, but you don't have to join Kiva.
0: It would be nice if you did. Oh.
1: Okay. This is if you want this, you've oh, got to join Kiva. I oh. But this, yeah. if you take one of these, uh, then. You, as long as you just do selfies, yeah. put it on social media. Okay. I will make sure to comment so that my
3: friends see it too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, so yeah. social
4: media.
3: oh, sweet! Yeah, yeah there Who, you go. is big on social media? Yeah, he's big he on social, social media. He <laughs> should, <laughs> should wear this one. Yeah, get <laughs> oh. <yeah>. power, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a large. Do
1: you think
4: that'll yeah, that'll fit him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you need, do you need bigger than that? I think so. Yeah, I so
2: need to get you an XL. Okay. Man, I feel so well, bad. First <laughs> of all, so nice <laughs> <We appreciate laughs> yeah. thank
0: you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of great information. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Is that, is that the right size for the yeah. yeah.
2: long
4: will We make it happen.
2: Okay. Don't <laughs> worry. <okay, okay.
4: laughs>